Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Michael Lee is a Norwegian-American writer, youth worker, and organizer. He has received grants and scholarships from the Minnesota State Arts Board, the Loft Literary Center, and the Breadloaf Writers Conference. Winner of the Scotty Merrill Award for Poetry from the Key West Literary Seminar, his poetry has appeared in Ninth Letter, Poetry Northwest, Copper Nickel, and Best New Poets 2018, among others. Michael has worked as a dishwasher, a farmhand, a teaching artist, a social studies teacher, and a case manager for youth experiencing homelessness. Author of The Only Worlds We Know, he works, lives, writes, organizes, and dreams in North Minneapolis. Morgan Parker is a poet, essayist, and novelist. She is the author of the poetry collections Magical Negro, There Are More Beautiful Things Than Beyonce, and Other People's Comfort Keeps Me Up at Night. Uh, she just published her debut young adult novel, Who Put This Song On? A debut book of nonfiction is forthcoming from One World. Parker is the recipient of a 2017 National Endowment for the Arts Literature Fellowship, winner of a Pushcart Prize, and has been hailed by the New York Times as a dynamic craftsperson of considerable consequence to American poetry. <laughs> Woo! I know. I'm like, everyone should know this. <laughs> when they wrote it, my mom called me and I was like, excuse me, I'm, I'm of considerable consequence. A dynamic craftsperson. <laughs> yeah, Please welcome Michael Lee and Morgan Parker. Hello. Hi. It's us, dynamic craftspeople. <laughs> That's some shit I would say everywhere if someone <laughs> said that about me. Like, yeah, I'd like a number two. And by the way, I'm a dynamic craftsperson. It's worth a try, you know? <laughs> I'm like one of those people who's always like, I'm on the list. <laughs> They're like, ma'am, it's Walgreens. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm here all the time for my pills. <laughs> um... <laughs> I I am like bummed because our little friend, I have like such a bad mouth, but maybe so I'll do YA. He's good. Yeah. Lucas, you got earmuffs, bro? I know. Lucas is, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mom gives us the green light. <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm going to just read a couple of poems from Magical Negro and then I'll read a little um beginning of the novel. This is the first poem. It's at the title comes from a piece of artwork by Glenn Ligon who took the language from uh, Zora Neale Hurston. I feel most colored when I'm thrown against a sharp white background or I feel sharp white or colored against or I am thrown I am against or when white I sharp I color, quiet, forget, my country is a boat. I feel most colored when I swear to God. I feel most colored when it is too late, when I am captive. The last thing on my mind is death. <clears throat> I tongue elegy. I color green because green is the color of power. I am growing two fruits. I feel most colored when I am thrown against the sidewalk. It is the last time I feel colored. Stone is the name of the fruit. I am a man, I am a man, I am a woman. I am a man, I am a woman. I am protected and served 
I background my country, my country sharp in my throat. I pay taxes, and I am a child, and I grow into a bright, fleshy fruit. White bites. I stain the uniform. I am thrown a black typeface in a headline with no name, or no one hears me. I am thrown bone, unarmed. I feel most colored when my weapon is I, when I get what I deserve, when I can't breathe, when on television I shuffle and widen my eyes. I feel most colored when I am thrown against a mattress, my tits, my waist, my ankles buried in white ash. Everyone claps. I feel most colored when I am the punchline, when I am the trigger. In the dawn, putrid yellow, I know what I am being told. My country pisses on my grave. My country bigger than God, elegy, my country. I feel most colored when I am collecting dust, when I am impatient and sick. They use us to distract us. My ears leak violet petals. I sharpen them. I sharpen them again. Everyone claps. Hmm. This is a really tough book, so it's just like a lot. <laughs> um, I am mad at myself for not including more jokes. Uh, <laughs> so okay, I, maybe I'll just I'll read this um, this longer one. It's in sections, and then I'll move on to the novel. Okay, I'm like there's a whole okay. To my shelf. <laughs> the history of black people. One, the saddest triptych is our blood, trouble passed down, a root out on our wet, stiff suits. Everyone walks behind us. I would rather dance hoodwinked with the devil than be alone. I pick bad juju over yellow meadow and your moon. Florida, Kentucky, hemlocks grow in sepia glint, red clay everywhere. This isn't a dream. In the beginning, red clay. Two, the history of black people after Jean-Michel Basquiat. The history of black people, an allegory for Denzel Washington's continuous battle with various forms of transportation. <laughs> The History of Black People, a black feminist reading of Cinderella starring Whitney Houston and Brandy. The History of Black People, or that feeling when Lauren Hill is in your school choir but drops out right before the statewide competition. <laughs> the History of Black People, a new series coming to BET 20 years ago. The History of Black People, an investigation. The History of Black People, a tragic comic horror film. The History of Black People, or Joy, stinging pink lips. The history of black people, says me. The history of black people goes blank. The history of black people, adapted from white people. Three. Single black female cries into a glass of rosé on a Friday in April at 10.54 p.m. Is once again an unpleasant movie date. Makes every little thing political. Needlessly references Paula Abdul's stint as a Laker girl wakes up fevering in the dark, afraid of trust, forever sucking on a technical bad mood, imagines her bones damned, false teeth in the grass below her feet is a patient culprit, 
names her heart a dumb tick. Forgive us our dissonance. We hold shame close. A black boy's hairline finally puts us to sleep. A sea creature shucks sand for gems. Four. If you cut open my heart, it would be midnight at the greatest party of all time. A miniature Sean Carter and Audrey Lord feasting on difference. Uppity Negroes and highfalutins and Tyrones, Rick James appearing before Judge Joe Brown, granddaddies eating fruit over the sink, Bernie Mac growling, America, let's talk. I never went to recess because I don't play. I never learned to swim, but I went swimming. I make my enemy disease in my blood. I never believed in love. I carry us all in me, drag my hooves in tall grass and breathe when I'm full, bask in a real feel-good fugitive moment. Even the sun yawns when I pray. Five, on the first page of every library book, there's a question mark for us, backs bent out of exclamation. We don't know any of your words, but our children have licked them up in pools of sweat. Have you ever felt like a square peg in a round hole? Do you sometimes dream of a handful of Skittles sprawling on February lawn? If our legend was allowed, it would sing alligator scales. It would be written in red clay. It was an open and shut case. It never lived to be 18. This is our first and last love song. Thank y'all for going down that sad journey. Here's another kind of sad journey. Um, I'll just read like a little bit of the beginning, a little teaser. Um, yeah, it's my first young adult novel and it was really hard and confusing to write. So uh, yeah, it's scary that it's out here. Susan. This is a story about Susan. Draped permanently on the back of Susan's chair is a sweater embroidered with birds. That type of lady. She has this thing I hate where she's just always medium, room temperature. Susan looks like a preschool teacher with no emotions. She smiles, she nods, but she almost never laughs or speaks. That might be the number one thing I hate about coming here. She won't even laugh at my jokes. I know that life with me is a ridiculous hamster wheel of agony, but I'm kind of hilarious, and I'm just trying to make this whole situation less awkward. I'm the one who begged for my first session, but I was desperate, and it was almost my only choice. Now that I'm actually doing this, I hate it. I just want Susan to buy my usual pitch. I am okay. I am smart and good. I am regular, and I believe in God, and that means I am happy. By the way, of course my therapist's name is Susan. <laughs> Seems like everyone I meet, everyone telling me how to be is a Susan. I don't trust a Susan, and I don't think they trust me either. I don't like Susan, but I want to impress her. I'm usually so good at it. But this is what I mean about the bird sweater. I know the bird sweater is awful, just uncool and unappealing in every way. It doesn't even look comfortable. But other Susans like it, <clears throat> and generally all Susans do. It is a sensible piece of clothing, it is normal, and it makes sense. Wouldn't it be so much easier if I liked the sweater? If I just wore the fucking sweater and didn't make such a big deal out of everything? This is a story about me. This is a story about me and I am the hero of it. 
It opens with a super emo shot of a five foot nothing 17 year old black girl, me, in the waiting room at my therapist's office, a place that I hate. It's so bright outside, it's neon. And of course, the soundtrack is Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco, because I have more feelings than anyone knows what to do with. <laughs> The smell in here is unlike any other smell in the world. Some rare concoction of pumpkin pie scented candles and every single perfume sample from the first floor of Macy's. I bet Susan Brady, LCSW, decorates her house with Thomas Kincaid paintings and those little figurines, cherubs dressed up for various occupations, I don't know. The other thing I hate about coming here is the random framed photo of, I believe, Bon Jovi on the coffee table which also features a wide assortment of the corniest magazines of all time. White people love Bon Jovi. When Marissa and I went to Lake Havasu with Kelly Klein, because that's what white people do here in the summer, Bon Jovi was the only thing her family listened to. That freaking scratched up CD was actually stuck inside the thing on their boat. I had a moderate time at the lake, except for when I had to explain my summer braids to Kelly and Marissa for probably the 800th time to justify why I didn't have a hairbrush to sing into. They made me sing into a chicken leg, because of course. I was also shamed for not knowing any Bon Jovi lyrics. That was around this time last summer, but it feels like a past life. Another thing I hate about coming here is how I have to think about everything I've lost, everything I've done wrong, and everything I hate about being alive. The thing I like about it here is that there's Werther's. Susan opens the door and spreads her arms to me in a weird Jesus way, the sleeves of her flowy paisley peasant top billowing at her sides. She has kind of a white auntie thing going on, or a lady who sells birdhouses at the church craft fair thing, a sad squinty smile, a dull brown bob, a gentle cadence to her voice. I can, use she's, I can tell she's used to talking about children, probably rich white children. And as I stiffly arrange myself on the couch in her office, I'm suddenly self-conscious about my largeness, my badness. I just feel so obvious all the time. It's like that song, Too Alive, by the Breeders. I feel every little thing way more than regular people do. So how are you doing today? Susan asked too cheerily, like a hostess of Olive Garden or something. Where are you on the scale we've been using? I'm okay, I guess on the scale I'm probably pretty dang bad, but better than yesterday and still not scary bad. Now, probably to the soundtrack of Bell and Sebastian's Get Me Away From Here I'm Dying, there's a longest montage of me zoning out, imagining the lives of everyone I know. Even in my dreams, it's so easy and fun for them to exist. I'll stop there, thanks. Oh no, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to read. I'm I'm wrapped. <laughs> like, <laughs> great. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. How are you feeling? Good. Good. I'm feeling so good, man. It's good to see you. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll read some poems. Um, where am I? So I think I'm gonna wear my mom's glasses because um, I got a concussion last week from my dog. Um, <laughs> and light, yeah, it's a true story. I wish it wasn't. Um, I wish I was doing something cool like getting in a street fight or jumping really high and hitting my head on something unexpectedly even higher. <laughs> like, I did not. I tried to pet my dog and he knocked me out. 
So I'm a little um, light is I'm susceptible, susceptible to light. <laughs> uh, it is extra. It's extra lighty when I when I try to read stuff. I, I read it uh, uh, somewhere on Monday. I don't remember where now. Uh, and the, everything started vibrating, and I was like, I'm going to die on stage. <laughs> It's not the way to go. Right. My buddy was like up there. He was sitting on stage too, you know, just in case I did. And he was just like me and he was like. Like, I don't know. So, you know, if I keel over, just know I should be fine. Just prop me upright and go for the best. Go for the best. Right, right. The internet says fish oil and lion's mane. Both of which I have in my haversack behind the counter. If you want to get me those. All right. He went back out. The sentence sounds just like that. A sentence. To death and misery. Or the desire for misery. I've sentenced myself, yes, many times to die. The pills swelling like a fistful of little white pupils in awe of what they can do in the body. If I'm alive now, it is because of how many times I have failed. My first night clean, I wasn't. I threw up in the street and stumbled in late. An old man, sober 30 years, said, give it six months. If you don't like it, you can have all your pain and misery back. But it was mine. It was mine, and I could make as much of it as I needed. How much liquor can the body hold until the body leaves itself behind? Each week, a new man enters the room. Each week, another man doesn't come back. What magic to walk through a door and then appear again as ink in the Sunday paper. He went back out. The sentence, a sentence. Spoken so often, it becomes a single word. An incantation of disappearance, a spell, the addict, a magician after all. And you wonder where all these men have gone, but you don't, you know. You know there was no long winter out there where we dig through dead pines in search of the bottom. Pain, another way to fly. Misery, another way to vanish. Misery, the prettiest word. It flutters on the tongue like sonata, like overture, like other words that carry us into the dark and then beyond it. Ten years ago, I entered a room full of men sitting quietly as if they had been waiting for the last open chair to fill. Now, more than half of them are dead. What's a little more pain when pain's eternal? What's a little more music when the skull is a bell? What's a little more knocking against its walls when the body is a cathedral of doors through which all the angels have already fled? Listen, can you hear it? Out there, the wind aching, the goldenrod reaching up through the snow where every house is a church and you are never cold and the dead are just barely beyond what you can touch and every life you could have had sings. Also that, uh, oh, thank you. Um, that poem borrows a line um, by Matt Rasmussen um, in his book, Black Aperture, which is, And what does it mean when you and your love sleep in the same bed for the last time and you lie awake saying nothing because you know it? And maybe if you never sleep, you will never wake and the birds won't sing and the sun won't know to rise and you 
won't ever be alone again. And what does it mean when you can feel her body only a foot from your own, but you are certain if you reached out for her arm or cheek, you would not find anything other than the sheets still warm. And no matter how close she gets to you now, she will always be out of reach. And what does it mean when finally you fall asleep and both awaken to a gunshot in the dark like a single string in the instrument of night had snapped? And she crawls into your arms for protection, but of course not the real kind, because that bullet, if aimed at you, would have gone through you both. What does it mean when you realize that's all love is? A small and feeble shelter from the inevitable, from bullets and time, from rain and also drought. And if the bullet were just a tool of grammar in the language of the unspeakable, would it not be a conjunction? Would it not be the word and? For doesn't it connect us to the only two worlds we know? What's cool about that poem is like four years later we got back together. <laughs> so it's like way less sad. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> it was once sad. What's that? It was once sad. Well, it was once sad. It'd be fucked up if it gets sad again. Like. Well, you have the, the poem. I already. got the poem right. Like, ah, oh, I predicted this a second time. Like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm in trouble. I have to write happy poems, I've been told. All right, this poem <laughs> is called, right, right. It's like, why do you got all these sad poems about me? I'm like, shit, you left. I don't know. Um, all right, this poem is called The Study of Doors and Knowing. I don't think I've actually read done this at a reading before, so I hope you like it. If a single pupil devours the iris, if a black moon is discovered inside each of our cells, if we lived in a kingdom of silence, if an aria were to rise, splitting open the boreal dark which darkens, if pain agate, pain a lake frozen solid save its single eye widening, if sight begites sight, if eyes open across the body, if pain a sheet of paper incised one stroke at a time, if fistfuls of night removed like hair from a drain, if each letter a wound, if we are all two people and as we sleep we are awake in another body, if that body dies, if we never sleep again, if I still feel the boy inside me like a hunger, if each letter on the page is a speck of his blood across snow, if each letter here could open, if we might crawl inside one now, if each vowel is the mouth of a cave overlooking a new world, if we might dangle our feet over the edge. Boy who was himself a door, 15 red keyholes appearing wherever the key fell, the way a shovel is a key to the earth, though the boy never opens wide enough to walk through, just enough to see into the infinite rooms lit with planets gazing back out, boy with a galaxy locked inside him, boy with blood black and shining riddled with stars. His blood ran from the house and into the street where it continued on to the sea, lifted into the sky and then became it. Now there is a place in the Pacific where it is always night, his magnificent blood, a wet universe gazing down on us, his blood an endless dream lit by stars as it runs from the keyholes opening 
like 15 eyes which see forever. Do a couple more happy poems. Yeah, we just really don't have happy work, but I think that's fine. I mean, you know, you don't need. To I try to put the work. jokes in. They're just like really sad. They're just like right. All my shits look about. I'm a slave. <laughs> like it's just like not funny. I just quote Gandalf, and everyone's like, again. <laughs> Like, why are you always doing that? We've been That's a nine. It's my go-to. Like that, and stories <laughs> about my dog who knocked me out. He's the worst, best dog of all time. He's like a hundred-pound pit bull Ridgeback, and he gets stressed out when I leave. He's like really codependent, which I guess that works for us. Um, and so every time I leave the house, he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Like he's never gonna come back. I have to eat everything I can touch. And so one time I bought five pounds because I'm excessive. I bought five pounds of, um, I think it was cashews i was like i'm gonna just eat a jar of cashews every day in between That's just like a shit ton of cashews, ton of cashews. Like. and i was like i got a whole like a really big garbage bag at the co-op and i was like oh discount cashews and it was literally five pounds and i left it on the counter and he ate them all at once at once and he shit just pure nuts oh my God. for like a week and everyone in the neighborhood knows me and my dog because like we always walk the same way all the kids call him lettuce his name's levis but they can't say levis so they call him lettuce like come knock on the door like can lettuce come play oh my God. and i want to make like a joke about salads but it's never going to land because they're eight so i don't um so then we like go around and it's like one time it like you know it took us two and a half hours to go for a walk because everyone was having a barbecue. So like every other house, I was like, oh, Big Mike, like, come on up. And I'm like, you don't want us to stop here. Like, you really don't. And then he would just, like, sit down and just fucking nuts. It was like, <laughs> just nuts. Just, it, was like, it was like somebody was just spilling shit. I was like, what the fuck? So I'm, like, trying to pick it up, and I'm like, yeah, sorry, man, we can't stay for burgers. And I was, like, just carrying around these bags of nuts. But I'm like, you, I looked like a vendor of some kind. Like, people like, hey, what's, what do you got in the bags? Is for sale? Like, you don't, you don't want to buy these. <laughs> like, oh god anyway so yeah we'll do a poem did you say discount cashews i feel like that's a really good band name <laughs> i just like need to call out when i hear a good band right, name. Right. that is one discount, discount cashews, cashews. <laughs> why are they discount well they've been through the system of an animal <laughs> like oh man what kind of music would that be i have no idea yeah punk i was yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah. Sure punk it like could be hardcore, though? though. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, screamo. Just, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> just, like, get the, just go nuts. Ha, ha, ha. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> could have supported me on that joke. Just, I'm sorry, just, my just friend. A little, just just like... a little, just a little better. <laughs> just that, oof. <laughs> it's true friendship. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, don't do that one. <laughs> don't do that one again. Um, all right, cool. So yeah, we'll do this poem. Um, tapestry in five parts. <clears throat> Driving north through Minnesota in winter, our family car without heat, the passenger door held shut with rope. My sisters and I in our snowsuits squeezed into sleeping bags and buckled tightly in the back seat. It is the closest we will ever be. Two. The abandoned house down the street burning to the ground. The neighbor boys and I cheer in its thundering light. A firefighter is dragged from the house, laid unmoving in the street. We tell ourselves he's still alive and continue. Three, 
In the field beside the ashen ruins of that abandoned house, farm equipment unused since the neighborhood was a farm, a rusted plow the color of embers and clay. New machines make everything into dirt, then slowly a cul-de-sac. Five mansions begin to form and finish the work of the fire. Four. My friend sits in his car nearby while I grapple with a boy on the sidewalk. I am on top, punching him in the face. My friend, laughing on three tabs of acid, cranks classical radio and cheers as he narrates every swing. I continue. An aria. Snow falls. I continue. Working diligently like fire, a machine making heat where there is no heat. Somewhere else, more laughter. Perhaps it is mine. Five. It's winter still. Always. Somehow. I am above the soil by luck at this point. My friend next door is wheeled from her house beneath a white sheet. Her husband, home from rehab that morning, sits shivering on the front steps and says nothing. We go to a 12-step meeting that evening. He helps me change my tire. We pretend we are friends too. He asks how to stop it. Years later, he will drink himself to death, and I will hold a pistol in my hand and wonder. How are we doing on time? Anybody want a watch? I have no idea. I need to get a watch. Time is fake. Oh, okay. Time is fake. Cool. We've got, we've got some time, I think. And then we can chop it up. And, yeah, great. Okay, cool. So I guess I do have, I think it's a happy poem. I don't really want to read it, though. <laughs> I feel like we should really commit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's go all the way. I'll never forget, like, my <laughs> first time ever doing a reading my parents came to, and, like, it was all about, like, you know, like, my dead friends and me, like, being suicidal and doing drugs and, like, family dying, and my mom is just sobbing and my sister's just getting drunk at the bar, and I'm like... <laughs> There should be jokes in here. <laughs> like I'd never done a feature before. I'm like, there needs to be laughter somewhere in the middle. <laughs> like, so, you know, that's why I have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> they really come in handy for sure. Like they that. really yeah. do. They really do. I need to, yeah, I want to hear your craziest dog story. What's your dog's name? Shirley. Shirley? <laughs> She's an asshole. She bit me in the face. Your dog would be Shirley. My dog did too. I mean, it's the perfect name for her. I just like kind of picked it randomly, but she's very a Shirley. Is she an, el is she she's, like, an elder? Like, she's an elder black lesbian, I'm pretty sure. Specifically. From the South. <laughs> she's like always That's asking. the next YA novel. Just like, <laughs> it's just Shirley. Adventures of Shirley. Right. Being an asshole. Asking for someone to bring her a plate. Like, <laughs> 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 that's my dog. I'm so excited for that book. <laughs> that's, like, that's, the, that's the children's exactly, book. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be called Shirley the Asshole. <laughs> Got to learn sooner or later. <laughs> right, right. All right. I'll do like two more, two little short ones. Who tells your story now, heaven-faced boy? Sometimes I fear I may have killed you a second time. How silence is a kind of death. How having your story told for you is also a kind of death. Secondly, finally, I continue to begin with the end as if that's all there is. As if that's where your story began. Bled into the world through your own knife wounds. 
Some days I feel I have taken on your shadow and am the appropriator of your aunt's grief, which is dull and silent, like a stone in the shoe, as it works its way into the skin and will eventually, through the blood, become a part of the body, a knob or handle in the bone, as if this grief could open us, a skeleton, a screen door, a bolt of silk unraveling, my memory of you cinches tight, and I tell the story from the beginning. This time, you are alive. This time, I say nothing. Uh, all right, cool. Last one. <clears throat> decay and more decay. Now, that's a punk name. Like, yeah. that's, that's punk as fuck. <laughs> Truly. Like, really great bass line, super, like, tall mohawks and studded elbow. Yeah, shoulder yes, pads. definitely studs. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually going to start a fun circle pit right here afterwards <laughs> for anyone who wants to join me in my concussed state. <laughs> I love a mosh pit, man. personally. Oh, man. I'm, just, I'm so fragile now. I can't. I can't do it. I'm just really short, so people are just like, oh, let's just God. throw this person around. <laughs> and I just gotta, I, like, bundle up and do it. <laughs> just, <laughs> I pulled my back sneezing last year, so I don't. I don't participate anymore. I was like, <laughs> so yeah, I can't come to work. Like, they, they think I'm such a liar. Like, yes. I can't come to work. I pulled my back sneezing last week. I was like, yeah, I got a concussion from my dog. They're like, we're so glad you're quitting because <laughs> you're full of lies. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I promise you, I only get hurt in weird ways. Like, I won't actually tell that story of how I hurt that part. Um, that actually sounds worse than it is. It was my neck, but... All right, I'm going to shut up. Uh, decay and more decay. For my final wish, another final wish... The end is a kind of current you could light a whole city on what is gone. A last breath stirs the pages of finished books on the mantle gathering dust. Our skin lifts and then settles. For my final trick, a final trick. The heart working in mundane ways. Each time you touch anyone, there is a chance your atoms will move in unison, parting, and your hand will pass through their body and become lodged there in the jaw, or behind the breast. Of course, this doesn't happen, but the thought of it almost makes my finger running across a naked spine in candlelight feel dangerous and permanent in this danger. Like, you might remember this, and I might love you more in that moment than the moment we let go, parting, slipping by one another into the cold night, but it is the night that parts, wide, and shivering. Give another round of applause for Morgan. Thank you. And Michael. Yeah. What a good book you made. You made so many good books. <laughs> it's like two in one year. Yeah. I don't date and I hate myself, so. That's really... <laughs> People are like, wow, like, how do you, how are you so productive? I'm like, you too, good, live this life. <laughs> <laughs> For four easy payments and yeah. one very difficult one. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'd be interested to hear you talk a little bit about that process and about writing a book of poems and a YA novel in such a short time. 
um, and just about the difference in the projects and maybe the approach yeah. to that work. I think I, I like always write about the same stuff. It's mm-hmm. just a matter mm-hmm. of like how, what uh, direction am I going to look at this stuff from? Right. And like what is the tone? And there are different slices of the same right. story. Right. Um, the why was hard because I've been, I've been writing about my own mental health and, and uh, black womanhood and uh, loneliness and placelessness forever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But to write narratively mm-hmm. um, and to create this story and, and um, create a, a, like an emotional texture right. there um, was really, I don't know, it just felt like embarrassing, honestly. It's a very oh. semi-autobiographical book. And I went into it even using some of my old journals. Uh, Like there are lines that are lifted, not entire passages, but there Um, are certain things that kind of like helped inform the tone and and what was going on. So it was just like really emotional. um, And it's just a different process because I had to, when I'm writing a poem, I'm going to, answer a question I have or like investigate some kind of like you know question mark instinct theory that I have um sim it's a similar thing when I'm writing essays is like an investigation um so just merely telling a story and having to figure out um yeah I guess what perspective Mm -hmm. you're gonna tell it from and trying to also make it uh suitable for young adults in that um, I wanted to speak to them, right. you know? Right. Um, I didn't want to just be like, here's some fancy sentences. Right. Um, and to get that emotional depth and authenticity was, you know, it was just like really painful. Right. Um, and also to be working on Magical Negro at the same time, which is just like black people are dying right. and have always, and time is fake and we're on slave ships. Right. Um, it just was like a lot, but I found that working in a lot of different, and I'll never write three books at a time again, I'll tell you that, (laughs) but uh, learning how to write in different genres, I'd already kind of played with essays and poems and uh, introducing this new genre for me to work with opens things up. Um, I, I can, I don't have to have an idea and then figure out how to make that idea into a poem. Okay. It's more, I have an idea, and what is the best vessel for this idea? Um, it could be, you know, and it's often I'll start it as a poem, and then I'm like, this is actually an essay, mm-hmm. or I have an idea, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is actually a piece of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So I was able to kind of have all these projects working at one time, um, which, you know, it's kind of confusing, but it's also helpful, especially if they're all connected by theme. Right. Um, so yeah, there are certain like lines and descriptions that have floated between the projects, which is weird too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I really, I really like that. Um, so was the was the YA novel kind of was that like an organic growth out of I'm working on this poem and I don't feel like this is actually a poem. I feel like it's something different. I'm gonna explore it in this genre. It started as a personal essay. Okay. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it seems like, okay, here's a story, I have some characters in this essay. 
it seems like, okay, I can roll this into a novel, but there was so much other shit I had to do to make that into a novel, you know? Like, right. no one's life is that exciting, and there have to be other characters, and there has to be, like, you know, I don't know, a narrative, a linear bullshit. Right, you know? right, like, right. And it's like, I'm not, I don't, I don't deal in linear, you know? <laughs> so it was, a, it was a lot for me, and I was, like, pressing up against it. Um because I'm so used to just conflating and collapsing and uh, moving between times and voices. So to stay with one voice right. was also like a constraint for me. Okay, okay. Dope. A little scary. <laughs> um, can we talk about couplets? We can talk about couplets. Are you into that sort of nerdy thing? Yeah, let's talk about couplets. What do we want to mention about You have that? a lot of couplets. And I, I, do have a lot I of love couplets. couplets but what... Um, I love them, and I, I use them for specific poems, but I'd love to hear right, like right. what um, what they kind of mean to your poems. Yeah, so great question. Um, so my lines, like by the way. natural inclination is to write like one stanza, like long ass poems. Like let's write a six page poem with no stops at all, <laughs> and then my old roommate Hugh Wynn will be like what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> cut the poem there. It's over on page nine. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, go write, go write a novel. Um, but couplets were a really great way for me to, I, I think, like, I still, I still like the, what, I think it's a stickic, which no one's, that I think that's, thing? I think that's what it's called, but no one says it. Um, but we'll say it tonight. Stickic, maybe it's wrong. Um, you know, the one stanza poem. I think, like, I really like that as someone who I think came to prose first. Um, I also think that you have less control on how you guide the reader's eye hmm. um, with like larger prose blocks. Um, and I also think that you have less control with pacing um, and space. And I think about like coming from a performance background where I'm thinking about like breath and pause um, to highlight images or a certain moment. Um, I started to think about um, line breaks and mm -hmm. stanza breaks like in a similar way. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it was a lot about breaking up the pacing between these larger, um, you know, block um, poems and having a lot more couplets where I could break up pacing, mm -hmm. um, have a little more control over how I guided the reader's eye. Um, and I think, too, just like, yeah, wanting to to really, like, hey, spend some time with this, mm -hmm. this moment a little bit. Like isolating these little moments. Yeah, yeah, like, this line is really fucking cool. I want you to read it twice. Yeah. <laughs> you I, know? I mean, I think of couplets in terms of, I use them when I want to evoke, you know, doubleness and two-ness. Mm. And I think about, you know, love poems. and right. the perfect, Well, I don't use them for that reason. There's <laughs> <laughs> like two sides of my brain. But right, 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 right. <laughs> but I, I do feel that in your, in your poems. It's almost, it's a physical thing, right? They're like pairs. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I think. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because it isn't your kind of like go to. Right. So, it, right. Yeah, it draws attention. Yeah, I had to really think about like, um, I think that was the interesting thing about, and I'd be interested to hear too about your experience between both the books of poetry and like crafting a book um, was such an interesting experience and looking at like, damn, like, I say knife a lot, mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, that works in these poems individually, but as a collective, it's like really tiresome, mm -hmm. right? I think I kind of almost gave up on the book a while ago. 
Um, you know, and I sat down after not touching it for like a year and I read it and I was like, oh, this book's unreadable, right? <laughs> like it's totally unreadable, right? It was in like three sections. It was like, here's the addiction section. Here's mm. like best friend got murdered section. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you can't just, that's too much. Like there has yeah. to be some, some space in between that. And they were all like really, you know, a lot of blocks as And well. also what, I mean, to go back to this idea of narrative that I think of narrative when I'm, organizing my poetry yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like a linear story, mm-hmm, but there mm-hmm. is an element of, you know, leading the reader from the beginning to the end and like creating a journey. So, right. th- and that doesn't necessarily happen in these clean categories, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear a little bit about um, just like the section work you do, um, particularly in the second book. Um, like I know we talked about like there, when you'd read the second poem, I forgot the title. Um, oh, the, you're talking about sections in poems. Yeah, but I think like in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How. Yes. The yeah. The history of black. Yeah, people. the history of black people. That was that has been in like a trillion different forms. Mm-hmm. It's been in so many different forms. It was like one long poem, st- stackic or whatever the fuck we're calling it. <laughs> right. Um, Let's just make up a new word. Tonight. Yeah, I feel great about that. It's a uh, pistachio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, cashew, just a discount right. cashew. It's a yeah. Discount <laughs> Oh my God! The history of letters is changing right before your eyes mm-hmm. right now. Like in the history books, American books. poetics are <laughs> brand new. An expert craftsman, <laughs> yeah, a craftsperson from the New York Times. <laughs> I do, you know. This is the first book that I put in sections. Mm-hmm. My definitely my inclination is to put everything together, right? And just be like, here you go. Like I don't need to hold your fucking hand, like. I usually organize the book in sections, and mm-hmm. then I just collapse them all together. Okay. So there is always this kind of um, series of movements that mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. Okay, here's this little section, and how does this begin and end? And so I'm really thinking about, yeah, having a little journey. Um, and I didn't, I, I kind of just don't usually use sections. Um, but for this, I was like, it's too, it's just too much. Right. I can't read the book the whole book sh- straight. Right. And I fucking wrote it, you know? Right, right. Um, so the sections are really yeah, take, like, just breaks. a present. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right, like take a breather, go, mm-hmm. get, like, go get a beverage, mm-hmm. come back. Yeah, because I thought it was interesting, like not only the, the book being broken up into sections, but like, but that poem I think is the only poem in the book that's in that's broken up into sections. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I think so. And it's it's rough, it's around the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I honestly made that edit to that poem at, at the very last minute hmm. um, because there's just something ab- about it that was bothering me. <laughs> I don't know. And um, it had been through so many. I just, like, kept trying different forms and trying to – couplets were there for a minute. Okay. Um, okay. My – one of the other go-tos that I have is what I call these, like, fake sonnets. It's just, like, roughly 14 lines, and there's a turn – Volta at some point, you know, it's like, a, I, I mean, I have a tattoo of iambic pentameter, but I'm not like, let me sit and write like a Shakespearean sonnet. It's mm-hmm. more like mm-hmm. the spirit of a sonnet. I like the look of it. I like the package. Um, I'm interested in running lines, you know, through the sonnet and not having like end rhymes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I really liked that form 
for breaking up that poem. I felt okay. like it was just like I was trying to do a lot and mush it all together and right. to take um, little sections that were kind of doing the work of a sonnet and really uh, pointing towards that that history of love poems, really, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. to put it in that form. That felt appropriate to me. Okay, dope, dope. I was also thinking too of just like thematically in the history of black people and the ways in which like within the diaspora and how like themes around like slavery and violence like are interruptions to a history. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought that was really interesting that that's the, the piece that is broken up into sections. Yep, um, yeah. Where it's both like the reader gets a reprieve but then there's also, it also almost acts as, as an interruption as well mm -hmm. to where like the form is, to me felt like was also commenting on the theme. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which I thought was really dope. It's hard to, I mean, I often do a dumb thing, which is, like, I get an idea for a title, and I'm like, okay, that's the title. But I have no idea what the fuck the poem is. And so sometimes <laughs> I find myself, I mean, something like that, if I want to write a poem called The History of Black People, I'm just like, the nerve. You know what I mean? <laughs> what in the fuck? Like, I just set myself up for an impossibility. Right, you know, right. so the least I could do is break it up into sections <laughs> so that we know it's not one thing. Right. And ostensibly... There are more sections, you know. Um, right, right. That's the implication. Is like they're and they're endless. Absolutely, right? there's an infinite amount of sections beyond beyond the, right. the work of the book and the work of the poem. Yeah, I don't know. So tell me about organizing, it's getting it out of addiction section. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I put it. I put, like you know put it all out on the giant kitchen table and I love this part this is like the best part it's the worst and the best right you know you have like your four cups of coffee you're up till four in the morning you pretend you're a super genius and really you're just <laughs> like stressed out and you're like yeah. <laughs> you start to like color code but I'm really bad at color coding so I just have things that have colors on them but like they don't correspond to fucking anything like yeah I start ones, to forget the like what ones. they and then I'm just meant. like I just have post-it notes but I don't know why I'm using them like this is this is my problem all through high school I didn't know how to study <laughs> <laughs> wrote the homework on the hand. Um, so, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> right, right. Like, oh, shit. What was your homework? I don't know. I washed my hands after gym class. So <laughs> I have no idea. Um, yeah, I think, um, so the organizing of the book, well, part of it was like realizing that the book had to be about more, right? Mm. And for so long, um, I mean, I kind of had like this obsession with writing about my best friend who was killed. And part of that was like an emotional I need to work through this. I need to heal. Poetry is part of how I'm Working choosing to do that, mm -hmm. right? Um, or one of the tools that I really have access to to do that. Um, and then after a number of years, I'm like, okay, I don't want to read this whole book. And starting to think about, like, what else am I really interested in? What mm -hmm. else do I really care about? You know, what else is in this book, right? Um, and playing around a lot with, with memory and place um, and thinking about, like, how does – how does both grief and loss shape our relationship to place? How does um, place shape our responses to grief and loss? Like how are these these things informing each other? Um, you know, so I read a lot about the Midwest. Um, you know, where I'm from and our ultimate flat, just it's <laughs> creepy to me. Fields. I'm like, and I can silos. see way too far. Right, <laughs> right. Like, well, you know, the flat earthers might be right. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> It just, I think it just goes, you know? <laughs> yeah, come to Minnesota and you're like, oh. And the first time I saw mountains was when I 
first went to Norway and I started sobbing on the train. <laughs> and my friends, like, they're all from the west coast of Norway, which is just all mountains. And they're knitting. And they're like, oh, Americans. And I'm like, have you not been to Minnesota? <laughs> we have a single hill. Like, <laughs> right? So... So for me, it was breaking up around partially that, that, that reprieve and where you want the breaks, um, you know. But it was also about, um, it was about looking at memory. Um, and I wanted memory to, I mean, the book kind of fades throughout. So I have the poem, like the self-erasure mm. piece that erases. And it was initially one poem. Uh, and the poem just keeps erasing itself. And I broke that up into three separate poems um, throughout the book. Um, you know, and to think about, like, the ways in which you can remember something so many times, it becomes different, right? And our brains begin to invent uh, memories. But does that make it not real in a sense? Um, and so I try to start to mimic that through the arc of the of the book. Um, you know, I mean, like, I have this, I was, I was thinking a lot about this moment when I was a kid about seeing the Northern Lights and you know, in northern Minnesota and asking my grandfather, like, what is that? And he's like, well, that's where we're from. And I was like, the fucking sky. <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, Norway. Like, that's what he's, you know? <laughs> no, 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 no. Right? And I, I always think about this moment, and I feel like, you know, that moment's not in the book, but I feel like the essence is, is, is in that book. But I started sure. to think after a certain amount of time, I'm like, did that actually happen? Mm-hmm. It just felt a little too poetic for it to really be real. Yeah. And then I kind of decided at a certain point, I was like, it doesn't matter. I don't think if it happened. I think it is true, though. You know? That's part of your myth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So part of the book, too, was like organizing around like myth making and memory, um, particularly as it, result, it relates to place and, and loss. And sometimes like rewriting that thing is protective. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like this act of like healing and self-preservation to just like kind of misremember something like yeah. that can actually be um, as like, I don't know, I'm like in therapy constantly. So it's <laughs> like, I feel like it's against all of that. But also um, sometimes it is just like with the ways that we protect our feelings right. and sometimes a little glossing over. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, I, also think, I also think myth-making and mythology is so important. Yep. Um, also, like, we're poets. Right. Like, everything is subjective, you know, right. and uh, perspective is everything. Right. You know, a memory shifts with you. So right. it's not even like, oh, I'm deciding that this is how that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, in 30 mm-hmm. years, you'll think about that story in a different way right you know right how much of that I'm interested because I know at least like for me in the process of writing the book um because like my introduction to poetry was like very autobiographical um to the point for a lot of years when I was writing I thought like oh it's gotta be I gotta remember like what is the Mm. truth here right and that I think actually kind of slowed me up in a way that wasn't helpful and that's why I think I actually started with fiction was I felt like I could get at truth in a different way and not be beholden to like what I, you know, remember, couldn't quite remember, Mm -hmm. um, but that I could play around with a little bit of of deeper, deeper truths. So I'm interested to hear, too, about, like, between all three of the books, like, what your relationship was to... I think with poetry, too, there's often, like, an assumption that the voice is always autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting to hear you talk about how there was actually more stress with the YA novel. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, because of that, and because I usually write first-person poems, Mm -hmm. and because I named the character Morgan Parker, which, by the way, 
I wasn't like, it's me. It just was like, I was thinking way too hard about what her name should be. And I like hadn't written the book. So I was like, I feel like this is not the best use of my time. Right. And then the editors were like, keep it. So I was like, okay, fine. I love that. Whatever. Um, but it, it, of course, sets up this trap where it's like, is it me? Is it not me? And, you know, various people on the internet are seem to be certain that it's very autobiographical. Someone said, I was like, are you my friend? Like, right. <laughs> were you my high school you. teacher? Like, how do you know that? The fuck? I mean, people will just think whatever they want. Right. Um, right. And <laughs> so I kind of knew that going into it. And it's just also, you know, is critical of where I grew up. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's fucking scary. Like, right. but, and for that reason, I was tempted to like, really change some things mm-hmm. and characters, but it, I just couldn't. Like some of some of the little details are just so good. So I keep saying that like, um, the feelings are true, but like the facts of it are not. There are a couple little weird stories mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, like my dad making a fruit salad is like very, it's like truly him. So. Right, right. <laughs> but it's not, but, um, the order of events or like who actually the person was all of that I was able to play around with and but it took me a long time to get comfortable with how much of that was like allowed mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I just decided I don't know like I I, I want to make the book that I want to make right. and whether or not it's following these traditional mm-hmm. um, like rules for what is a novel versus what is a memoir versus what is adult or young adult I, right. I really was like that is the last shit I need to be thinking about when I'm trying to write right. you know um, so I guess I just didn't concern myself with that and, and let myself play and so mm-hmm. I did enter like even now there's things that I wrote in the book that I'm like oh my god it didn't really happen like that but I've been telling this version of it for so long Right. Uh, I only talked to one person from back then it's my best friend and he's like okay so do you want to know now that you're finished like the other stuff because obviously I'm writing from a very particular perspective not only my perspective on a community but my memory of my perspective of a community and I'm light years away from that person Um, and even like when I look at my journals I'm like whoa that's really like what happened and it's it's just really hard and so it's interesting to know the other perspectives that are surrounding that Um, because we can only tell one part of a story um, at a time, you know what I mean? Like I will be able to tell this story in a very different way in 10 years because I'll have had that much more therapy right. and I'll just be a different bitch. You right. know, like right. that is, right. that's right. really what, it, and you know, to think about you coming back to your book, mm-hmm. you grew, Yeah, you became a different person. Right. And that is like the best editor. Yeah. That's so fucking real. <laughs> well, I think, like, I don't know. That brings up, and I'm, I'm interested to know, and I don't know where the clock is, but I'm interested to know about your other, what else is included in your writing process? Because for me, I would get really stressed out that I wasn't writing enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I do all this other shit, and growing food, and organizing, and, you know, all, the, like, door knocking, and we're doing people's assemblies and shit, and, like, 
all this stuff and I'm like, I'm not writing enough. And I remember like one weekend I like took the weekend off from work so I could write. Mm-hmm. And all I did was refurbish this antique <laughs> fucking Austrian trunk that I found. And like, I remember I was living in this apartment Sounds with productive. Hugh and Denez and Cam lived like on the first floor. Adorable. They all lived in the same apartment complex and they all like came in and I'm like half naked, dripping in sweat, like inside this trunk, like sanding it out. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? So I'm much like, for I your found this trunk, writing man. weekend. <laughs> right. So I was really, and then I was really stressed out about that. And my buddy man was like, why isn't that also a part of your process? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why can't that also be a part of your, your writing? Totally. You know? And I was like. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. It's not just about actually when you're putting something on the page or on the screen. Um, I actually the life that surrounds it. I've been in the past couple of years. I've like really ch- tried to focus on that. Like, what is my process and what of my life is part of it? Mm-hmm. And I really do think that writing stuff, like write typing, is the smallest amount mm-hmm. of my writing process. And I, I frame it that way to give myself a little bit more super permission. <laughs> I'm super mean to myself, and like just real, like I really see you on Twitter. Cool. I'm like, be nicer to I'm, yourself. And that's only what I'm putting on Twitter. <laughs> right? Imagine what's in here. <laughs> you're like tweeting, like, let's see if I can write a fucking word today. I know. I'm just like, oh my god. Just like, fuck you, Morgan. <laughs> right. I'm it's like, like well, it. also I'm my own boss now, so I'm just like, uh, my boss is a bitch. I don't get any days off. Like, it's just <laughs> a mess. I, but I really have. I've been working on various things, um, including uh, relaxing a little bit about the writing process. And I think mm-hmm. I get really nervous because, you know, I know people who are like, I just write this many words a day. Right. And I've never been someone like that. Right. But you do feel a lot of pressure, especially when you're in a writing community. Right. So it's like and everyone has a so different process. Prolific. Exactly. But it's I not. Mean, like stressed out. Like a book a year for 10 years? Like, stop it. It's not. And not everyone. <laughs> You have to remind yourself that not everyone works that way. Right, exactly. Um, so I think I do think about my process and like these different stages. Mm-hmm. And the first is just like collecting. So it's just like living in the world. Right. I have several notebooks on me at a time. Right. And it's like go to the movies, go to an art museum, hang out, uh, write everything down. You know, like mm-hmm. overhear conversations, write that shit down. I right. famously cannot even watch TV without like having a notebook in my hand is really a thing. <laughs> I love that. I like keep trying to just be like, oh, I'll relax. And that last year I was like, I'm going to watch all of ER because it's just, I haven't seen that. Because why not? Days. I'll watch the ER and I, there's no way, I can just turn my brain off. Right. Then I was like, I'm writing an essay about ER. <laughs> like suddenly, <laughs> immediately. It's just like, I can't, you know, but that is, part of I have to like articulate that that's part of my process and that um, it is like a way of seeing the world when I'm gearing up to write I'm looking at everything through a particular artist lens and so after that it's like I have all these notebooks and then I'm going through and I start to see things repeating and Mm -hmm. I I start to see obsessions Um, and then there is piecing it all together That's the short part, and then there's editing, right? Which is the other part, which is like, like the bigger. That those two right. on either side are like take the most time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's almost kind of like a curation. It is, ways, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, well, I think we're kind of moving towards the maybe the book signing time. Do you want to leave us with like? What you're, um, no, do you? no, no, 
<laughs> Maybe we can, we'll both leave. Uh, uh, do you want to just leave? Let's just go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here. We're Run. Yeah. Um, no, I just, uh, I guess what you're working on or like what's next and what people should be paying attention to. And you don't have to, of course. Maybe that's pressure. Just buy all three of Morgan's books if you haven't already. Four. Four. Yeah, buy four. <laughs> Once again, I'm very lonely. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I should spend less time in the garden. I've got one. <laughs> My sunflowers were fucking huge last year. <laughs> All the squirrels ate them. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the. Thank you appreciate all for you. coming. Appreciate y'all. Yeah. And where should we be? I don't know where we should. Should we just like? You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.